Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 371. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Well, Matt, it's just me and you today. Uh, Treg decided he wanted to spend time with his family because his sister's moving away. Like, worst. who does that? It's the worst. <laughs> right? So so selfish. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give him a I'll give him a pass on this one. He's just he's not just lifting things this time. So I'll give him a pass. No, nope. family's important. Well, he did say she was he did say she was moving, so maybe she asked him to come lift up the heavy. Couch that's what or it is. That's what it is, right? He got himself all greased up and everything. She's like, I just need you to lift this table, and he's like, it comes with the it comes with the task. Sorry. <laughs> So basically, Treg is our greased up dev guy from uh, Family Guy. <laughs> but he puts like the tanning lotion on too, right? So he's like, he's brown yeah. as he does it. It's the self tanner that yeah. he rubs in. Yeah, just blending yeah. in, blending in with the with the table and everything. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a coffee table now. <laughs> we love you, Treg. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we wouldn't chuck shit at him if we didn't. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been a busy few weeks here for us, uh, all three of us. That's why there hasn't been that many shows. Um, so me running uh, a department on a ship, Treg lifting things, and uh, <laughs> and you running your your night cruise. Yeah. So uh, apologies to every, all our listeners. We we appreciate your patience. Um, such is life in the military. And it's only going to get busier. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but enough of that. Uh, we're going to move on from whining about work to whining about hockey. So uh, this episode, we we have several items that we're going to just power through. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the logjam and net. We'll talk about uh, Logan Mayu. We'll talk about some of the training camp battles that we that we see coming down the pipe. And there might be a few, a few other odds and ends in there if we have some time. So why don't we just kick it off right away with the log jam and net. And Matt, I'll hand it to you. Even though there's a log jam and net, I think that it's pretty, in my opinion, it, it's pretty it's pretty easy to think that Allen and Montembeau are going to be the two goaltenders starting out. Um, DeSmith did have decent numbers, especially for uh, – a team that did struggle last year in the Penguins, but he still put up better numbers than Allen or Montembeau did. However, uh, for all you advanced stats people out there, wherever you are, um, Montembeau had a very high, um, what saves above expected. He did very well when it comes to that. And he did show flashes. Like for me, not an advanced stats guy. I'm a watch the game kind of guy. And I can see that there were games that, the guy put in quite a bit of effort. Did he get the result all the time? Not necessarily, but you could tell he was putting the effort in. And then 
during the offseason, he played for Team Canada at the World Championships and was arguably one of their best players and arguably one of the better goaltenders of the tournament. Um, moving forward, however, I think it's safe to think that it's going to be like a 1A, 1B scenario, and I think that would be the, the smartest thing. There are people that are saying, why don't you go with three goaltenders? It's very rare that you ever see that happen, and with their kind of their backlog of you know, injuries and, and their history of injuries and everything, keeping up another roster spot for a goaltender might not be the smartest move, especially with all the youth coming up that are trying to get these spots. Um, so I don't know how much of a log jam there actually is. My opinion, I think just Smith's on his way out. If you look across the league, I think that his contract would probably be the easiest to move. And there's multiple teams throughout the league that I believe that could use an, an upgrade. And I think DeSmith would fit that bill. I, I, I would say that fans have to maybe not expect much of a return. However, it's better to get a return than just to bury this guy in the, uh, in the AHL, which Ken Hughes already said to himself, that's not what he's going to do to this guy. Yeah. Um, even if they did bury him in the AHL, the savings on the cap would only be 1.1 million. So there'd still be about 700 or 800,000 up against the cap. Yeah. Um, and it would go against essentially what Hughes has done. Like you said, he told his player, he's not going to try and bury him. He's trying to move him. So right. um, I even, uh, he's the, He's the reason there is the log jam right now yeah. because they have the four goaltenders. Right. I even heard someone say they should bury Jake Allen in the AHL and be there with like Why? and be there with uh with Dobesh. And I said that makes no that makes no sense. If you're you're like you're thinking about the Montreal Canadians who are starting to build up a lot of player credibility within the league. You saw what they did with Jeff Petrie. They could have waited. They could have got more for him. Instead, they send this guy home, and they do it before his kids start school. And I think that kind of put a gold star next to uh, Hughes' name. So if they were to take a veteran goaltender that's been there, you know, through the highs and lows with this team, has shown commitment to the team, they sign him to an extension, and then all of a sudden you bury this guy in the AHL, I just think it's it's really the wrong move. And yeah, I, I just don't think that's ever gonna happen, right? And I don't think, and again, I don't think they're gonna do it with DeSmith either. I think they're gonna find a market for him and he's gonna move on. And that'll be and that'll be it. I don't think he'll ever play a game for the Canadians. Oh no, I, that's not my expectation whatsoever either. Um I know there's some talk of uh people wanting Allen to be traded as well because his three point eight million dollars on the cap if it were to be moved out of town without taking anything back, which I think would be nearly impossible if yeah. you were to trade them. Yeah. Um, moving that money out would solve their, their cap issues because the Canadians right now with all the bonuses and everything are 3.7 something million over the cap. So moving right. him out would solve that issue, but there'd still be the issue of a log jam with three goaltenders still there. Although, more than likely, Primo would go back to the AHL yes. once he clears waivers. Now, right. and, and I find it very hard to believe that he wouldn't clear waivers because I yeah, don't because, I, because, but, I, because I don't think a team at this point is ready to take an NHL position for Caden Primo. And that's not you know throwing 
sand in the eyes of Caden Primo or anything. He's still a good young goalie, but he's still not NHL proven yet. Well, it's more about the timing of the waiver. So they would waive him at the end of training camp. Most teams have their, their goaltenders pretty much picked out. So I, I can't see anyone put a claim in on him for that reason alone. I mean, he, right. he does have that upside of an, a, an NHL goaltender, but he hasn't really shown it yet. No, he now, hasn't shown consistency. No, he has not. Now, with uh, in regards to, to Smith... I can see some teams very interested in him. He's yes. he's a little over 32 now, I think. He's 31, yeah, 30, 32, years, 32 old. years old. Yeah, He's got very solid ba- numbers for a backup. I think he's around a 9-10 career save percentage. He's got a very good uh, high danger save percentage. A team that needs a veteran goaltender who can play backup to at most a 1B for longer stretches could really use a guy like this, especially at 1.8 million. And, and the fact that he's only on that one year de- uh, yeah. left of his deal, yeah. there's not a lot of commitment there. So a team like say Columbus yeah. who have someone like Merzlikens and it's a Russian kid, Ter- Tarasov as the backup. He He's young. He's like, uh, I don't know. What is he? 22, 23 years old. He's young. Tarasov he's young. Is. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be better served to go back to the AHL, play a full season. Meanwhile, Merzlikens, who is talented but not very consistent, right. could really use an older backup like this to help right. solidify him. Yeah, honestly, I'm looking at I'm looking still at contending teams and a guy that and a, and a, and a team that might be able to use a goaltender. I'm looking at Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, but do they have any cap? Like, are they able to take on 1.8 without having to give anything back? That's something I'd have to look at, of course. But, uh, I, but like when I when I when I look, I I think they got that Kakinen, Capo Kakinen, or someone like that. I think that that they're he's their backup right now with not a lot of experience. You bring mm-hmm. in another goalie next to Veseleski that's got a little bit of pedigree. They saw how they look. Look what Brian Elliott did for them for X amount of years. Yeah. Right? Bring in a younger goalie that's uh, on a, on a good cap. I think they'd be. I think they'd be just fine. Or maybe even a team like New Jersey. Yes, that'd be a good pick too. Right. They got a good young team. They've got a, a pretty solid defense core there. Uh, they're looking to really make that move. Having a solid goaltender who can play thirty-five games, maybe yeah. forty if you need to, right. uh, and, and provide reliable goaltending would really make a difference for them because they've still got Schmid and they've got Vitek Vanacek. Yeah. But, but which one, you know, both of them showed some up and downs last year. So just a, just a suggestion. Those are two teams that I could think of right off the top of my head. But when you look at Columbus, they're a team that's they're They're in it now. They want to make the playoffs. Now um, their, their general managers made the moves big moves to take that next step. I mean, they picked up um, Fantilli at third overall. Uh, they've got uh, Jenner there as a third line center. They got Goudreau. They got Line. Uh, who else who did they pick up this? Provorov in a trade. Yep. They picked up Severson uh, as a free agent. They still got uh, Wierenski. This is a team that, if they're healthy, could yeah. really cause some problems in the Metro division. Yeah, they definitely like to take another step, that's for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, with all those big names, if they don't, uh, it's time to move on from your GM to be right. brutally honest. Right. How, what about like Buffalo? I got Devin Levi, but then you've got Uka Pekalukinen. I had to say his name because it's fun to say. Love and, that name. And, and you've got Eric Comrie, right? So both like yeah. Smith, Smith's a, Smith's a, he would be a nice compliment to a guy like Levi. I agree. Yeah. Right? Any team that needs a veteran backup, he's a perfect fit for. Him. Right. But like at the same time, like, I'm I, I'm talking about teams that are trying to make the next step. Like I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the San Jose's who could use a guy like that. I'm not talking about no. the Arizona's or the Chicago's that could use a guy like that. I wouldn't want to. I, I as a GM, I wouldn't want to send one of my players to a team like that. No, probably not. Um, right. w- there's also teams that may be moving a goalie out in a separate trade who could use a backup like uh, Boston might decide to split up their tandem. Then the Smith would be a good fit there. Right. Bottom line is there's a lot of teams that could be in the mix for a guy like this, but I still, my money is still on Columbus. If I were, if I were to make bets, I would bet on Columbus because they've got a GM who's making big swings to bring a team into the playoffs that has missed for the last couple of years. Right. And honestly, this is a, this is a franchise and a market that is in desperate need of a playoff appearance, right. let alone a playoff series win. Yeah, I would agree. It, so, it could definitely, it could definitely of, have, it could definitely happen. Yeah. There's a lot of teams out there that he's a good fit for, but that's my bet. If you were to make a bet on one team, who do you think would be? I'd still, I'd still go with New Jersey. Yeah, I still, I still do with New Jersey. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. To be, to yeah. be honest, that if uh, Columbus wasn't where they're at, I would probably agree with you on New Jersey. Yeah, I can't do that because we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Treg's not here, so you and you, we have to, we have to argue and pretend to argue and fight. Done. Done. Go gentle. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next step, uh, Logan Mayu. Yeah. Uh, Mayu has now been cleared by the NHL to play in the NHL, which means the AHL will also allow him to play. Um, prior to this recent event, um, the AHL probably would not have allowed him to play if the yep. NHL hadn't given its its thumbs up. But I'm going to be honest. This is one of the most, one of the biggest nothing burgers of a story from the summer. If the if the league did not want him to play in the NHL, they would not have allowed him to sign an entry level deal. Right, and it wouldn't have. And even if he did sign it, if they were having second thoughts and second thoughts and second thoughts, they would have just they would have stepped in at some point. They wouldn't have just allowed it yeah. to go as long as what it did. So I'm happy that at least we received an answer before training camps and before everyone's getting ramped up and and, uh, rookie tournaments and all that kind of stuff. The only thing I'm going to say to everybody right now is to like pull back the reins on your expectations of this guy. He is only played since 2019. 
He played four games with the London Knights and then COVID hit, goes overseas. What happened happened over there. I'm not going to repeat the whole story, of course. And then after that, he played 12 games and 59 games with the London Knights. He had a really good year last year, putting up 25 goals and 28 assists. And he had played a strong playoff, putting up 24 points, in 21 games with eight goals. However, it's still not a lot of hockey since 2019. That's 75 regular season games, 21 playoff games. I'd still like to see more of this guy. Um, I think that Laval is the best place for him to go. And I would be more than happy seeing him there the whole year. Yeah. Right. No, he's they're, someone they're, who's played maybe a hundred games in the last few years. He right. needs his time. Yeah. Right. Let him play down there. Let him find his game. Let him develop. Let him play against men and see what the guy's got. We know that he's got the skill. Um, he's a right-handed shot defenseman, which uh, is, is a, quite the commodity to have. And let's see what this guy has. That's, that's all I'm going to say about the matter. Like, let's see what he's got. And let's see what he can do on the ice because there hasn't been a lot of positive about this guy for a long time for, for good reason, obviously for good reason. Um, I'm really hoping that they can kind of turn the page and he can kind of write a new chapter in his career and in, in his life as a whole. And um, we can look to him for his accomplishments, not, what it, what he did in his past right and again that yeah. does not say anything about i'm not condoning anything that he did everyone that's listening i'm not condoning anything right but the nhl the team the london knights everybody involved has made it clear that he's done what he's had to do and that's all i'm going to say i i am not the expert here I don't know what these meetings were about. I don't know who talked. I don't know what he said. I don't know what they said. But whatever happened at the end of it, he's back eligible to play in the NHL. We'll leave it at that. Now, the Canadians seem to have, at the same time, been the the group that made the most problems for him. And at the same time, solved all these problems. So I'm going to try and explain myself a little bit here. He said he did not want to get drafted. Then yes. you're right in the spotlight. Bergevin, you're, dra- you're drafted. Oh yeah. First round pick. Yeah. First round by yeah. the Canadians who just yeah. came off a Stanley cup final. Yeah. You couldn't have asked for a worse spotlight for right. a player that just did what he did. Yeah. Now at the same time, the Canadians have also been the authors of what could have been the best case scenario for him coming out of that by, by switching over the management team and changing a lot of the staff, it forced the Canadians to bring in people like France Bélanger, Chantal Maccabé, people like Kent Hughes, people who are forward thinking, who, who are also uh, character people, who can yeah. really focus on what could fix someone like him from the mistake that he made as a kid. Now, it when I say mistake, it was a criminal mistake. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's it's obviously something that if I was that girl's father, I would probably beat the snot out of this kid. No lies. But um, 
he is now given a second chance. And the only reason he got that second chance is because of the work that he, that he did under the direction of the Montreal Canadiens, the London Knights, the Hunter brothers, um, the Hunter brothers helped him off the ice, but almost, almost as much as they helped him on the ice. Right. And you, you pointed out some of the things that he did on the ice. He clearly made massive leaps in his game. Yes. Going from somebody who you, you know, you were not too sure of to a guy who's playing 30 minutes a night yeah. in the he's, OHL playoffs. Right. He's a, he's very much a, a play driving offensive defenseman that can play the body and yeah the only thing is he needs to learn how to play defense a little bit better no he played defense fairly well at the ohl level he wouldn't have played 30 minutes a night in the playoffs otherwise no that doesn't mean he doesn't have a long way to go in yeah he still has some gaps in his he still has some gaps in his game if you've you get a minute left the guy's on the ice regardless yeah because it's either right because it's either He's got the he's got the skill that he can be the guy that leads the rush and scores the scores the game winner or scores the game tying goal or or anything like that. So, but um, I said let's see what he can do on the ice. Let's see what he can do in Laval and let's pull back our expectations for him next year. He's not going to be a top pair defenseman in Montreal next year. I've said it. Listen to me. He's not going to be a top pair defenseman in Montreal next year. Let's pull back the expectations. Let's let him do what he can do. Have, enjoy his first year of pro hockey. Stay healthy. And we'll go from there. We'll talk about him next year. Yeah. He's essentially going to become a middle of the pack defenseman in Laval yeah. next year. Yeah. So this brings me to the next portion of our, our, our show. And that's uh, the battles in training camp. So Mayu is going to be in that mix. Yes. <clears throat> But not not as a a guy who's gonna steal an NHL job. Like he's a no. He's, he's a gonna be, way outside chance. He's gonna he's gonna be a guy that's gonna he's gonna compete. He's gonna show flashes. Yep. They're gonna give him some exhibition games, I'm sure. But again, he's gonna be one of those outside outside looking in type guys. I think that they're gonna play him in certain situations, like Reinbacher, like. Um, they're going to want to take a look at Gustav Lindstrom and see what he has. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to do a little bit of juggling with some different lines and try to do as best as they can to see who plays with who. Because the defense is very um, log jammed right now. We don't know who's going to be there no. and who's not. We we have our, our, our thoughts. It's kind of easy to play the game of saying like, oh, your waiver's eligible, so you're going down. But that's not always the case. No, and that's that is exactly true. But we know that we can we can say with we know some of the guys that are safe. We saw we know some of the guys that are going to be very safe. Yeah, and I'm looking at the right side right now. You mentioned Lidstrom, you mentioned Reinbacher, Mayu. Um, I think what they're going to do is they're going to use Kovacevic as kind of like a measuring point. Where are everybody else compared to him right now? Because Kovacevic is one of those steady Eddie. Yeah, quiet, consistent. stay-at-home types. Yeah, yep. Very consistent. So if they can show that they can play defense similar to him and show a little bit of flash somewhere else, then that, that bodes well for them. Not necessarily for stealing a job this year, yeah. but down the line. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a first call-up scenario or something like that. Obviously with Ryan Bacher, it's probably not going to happen because he's likely yeah. going back to Europe. Yeah. But... but someone like Mayu, 
that is essentially what he has to do is outplay Kovacevic to and then continue that play in the AHL to have any chance whatsoever of a call up. Right. Because he's going up against guys like Lindstrom as well, who, while not a lot is expected of him, he's still like Kovacevic, a steady defenseman who's a little bit older, has some experience and has more of an inside track at an NHL job. Right. There's not a ton of competition on the right side on defense. Let's be honest. No. Uh, while there's a lot of names, not all of them are ready. Right. But it's the left side. That's where the real competition comes in. Yeah. So what, what do you think? What do you th- like? You're looking at guys like Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris, uh, Caden Gooley, Mike Matheson. How does your uh, left side of the top six shake out? I'd say like with how Matheson played when he was in, you've got to say that he's going to be a top pair guy again. Um, oh, yeah. But it's going to depend if he's going to play on the left side or if he's going to play on the right. If he's get, if you're going to say, if you're going to go with lefts and rights, then he's your top guy. Goalie's your second. And as of right now, Harris is more than likely um, Harris is more than likely your third. All the, but he can play the right side as well. I like Arbor Jack. I know how big of a fan Treg is. I think they're a better team with Jack Eye in the lineup. So I would like to see Jack Eye on the on the third pair in some capacity. Um but it's gonna really depend on what they see in this Lidstrom kid, what they see in Baron. Like Baron is notoriously a very slow starter. He doesn't show up for camp. So being waiver eligible as well, it's not going to really bode well for him. Yeah, if he shows up to camp and he just kills it, then he'll stay. I'm talking about Barrett. Yeah. Um, but like, I think the big, uh, well, for me, the big, there's, Barron is in the mix as well, but the big competition, like you mentioned, guys like Harris can play on the right side. So I can see a rotation coming in so they can keep guys like Arbor Jack guy playing on the third pair. Yeah. Because of what he brings, he's 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 a decent skater. He's a good skater. He's got a good shot. Yeah, he's got some a good puck movement skills, yeah. especially for a third pairing. But he but brings like, that. It, it was his first year element. last year too. Yeah, people are talking yeah. about this guy, and they're like, "Oh, they can trade him, or they can this, or they can that." It was his first year in the league last year, and I think that he Harris. did pretty. No, I'm talking about Jack guy. Okay, right. His first year in the league, like everyone just calm the fuck down. Like the guy brings something to the defense core that we haven't seen in this team for a while. He can hit, he can shoot, he can make plays. He's going to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. He can, his hands are about the size of a microwave. You don't want to be hit with one of those, right? You want this, you're going to be cooked about as fast too, right? Like, I'd like to see him take the next step in his game. And I think with this young core, he can definitely do that. It's a, it's a contract year for him. I think he's going to try to make that, make that jump. He's a, he has an RFA, but I think he's mm-hmm. going to look for a little bit of a payday. I'm not going to say the kid's going to get rich or anything, but he's going to try to, he wants to remain relevant. He wants to remain with his team. His brother just got drafted by the team. He's going to want to stay with his family, like his mm-hmm. his family itself. Really big Montreal Canadiens supporters. So he's going to do what he can to stay with the team. Oh, no, absolutely. He He's a guy that brings something that you don't see a lot of in the NHL anymore. 
that that intimidation factor that he can bring um and he can play the game yes. he's kind of um a throwback to Lyle Odeline for older Habs fans who are watching uh you'll know who I'm talking about for our younger uh, listeners uh, google Lyle Odeline you'll see what I'm talking about <laughs> but if we want to start going on a little bit more about some of the camp battles um, I think one right off the bat is going to be who's going to play up on the top line with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. Is there's oh, a lot a of people, call. right? Which there's a lot of people that want that say the easy pick is to put Doc up there to take him out, out of the center position because you've got Monahan that can win faceoffs mm-hmm. and how good they play together. However, Doc was brought in to be a center. I think they want to use him as a center. I think he can drive his own line. And that's probably the best place for him. I wouldn't be against that line being together because I think it'd be a really good trio. We it, they were proven that they can play together, um, but then it's going to really depend from there who gets that spot. I have an idea of thinking that maybe a guy like Monahan put him up on the top line, get as yep. much value and get as many points out of the guy. You see what you see where he is come trade deadline. You see where the team is trade deadline, and maybe you maximize the value you get back for. Yeah, no, I agree with that idea. That's a that's a good way to go. And because... then and and you also have a guy that can win faceoffs when Suzuki's not. And then yeah, they can, well, and, and, well, then, and then weak they can side, share. strong side right. And then they yeah, can weak side, strong side. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a good option, especially when it comes to, um padding his stats a little bit yeah, you yeah. want him to get those points uh and i i know you mentioned some, uh, that you know see where the team is come trade deadline i don't think it really matters right they're they're moving him no matter what and like i know people have made the debate well put new hook up there put slavkovsky up there slavkovsky's coming off an injury and he's coming off a meet like a less than impressive first year in the league but the team struggled mm-hmm. as a whole anyway and he was injured Right, you don't take that guy. I don't care how much work he's put in. You don't throw him right in to the Montreal media and say, "Now you're the top line winger with your captain of the Montreal Canadiens." Yeah. So I think the best expectation, like the expectation for him, maybe start him out on the third, maybe start him out on the second with Doc, see what the kids got, and see if this work that he was putting in with his doing whatever he was doing blind or whatever the hell he was doing or walking on water or whatever the hell work that he put in. See if he can see if, see if it actually shows a product on the ice and it just doesn't look good for the cameras. Right. Yeah. You want him to ease into the roster and then work his way up. I agree. Yeah. What if on the first line, instead of a Monaghan, you have someone like RHP because Harvey Pinard last season looked really good on that line. He did, but the only thing is he was put on that line of necessity. True. Right? He did earn. He, he did, did produce. Right? He, he did produce. He did earn his contract. However, it was still a necessity type thing. Yes. And I but think that and I think that he could bring more energy to say a third line role with a guy like Dvorak. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And maybe on that other side have another energy guy in Brendan Gallagher who can play a def- and they they can play a defensive role both those wingers go in you know they'll go to the net and they'll go into the dirty areas so it could yeah. be one of those grinded out type lines 
and that would yeah. leave you that would leave you your um your second line being um doc anderson and slavkovsky there's some size for you some size with some guys that can move yeah yeah no that that would work too uh i'm thinking of oh shit i'm still i'm line. still for, i'm still forgetting about new hook too well, new hooks in the mix for top six. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm thinking I'm going with RHP on my, on my mind right now, and I'm thinking, what about a line of uh, Harvey Pinard, Evans, and uh, Yelonen on a fourth line? Right. That could be that could work. Uh, that means Pizzetta's going to be the odd man out in this. Yeah. And you can rotate him in, but I think that's that's a good speedy line with some, with some. Uh, Energy, work ethic, a little bit of offensive skill too. Right. And a ton of speed. Right. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to really come down to some of these veteran players. Some of these guys have been around mm. for a little while, what they bring to camp and are they going to show up to camp thinking that their spot's going to be safe? Or are they going to show up and perform? And I'm talking about yeah. guys like Armia. I'm even talking about a guy like Jake Evans. Yeah. Well, I, Evans isn't known for someone to coast. So uh, I think Armia is the one, if you're going to be thinking of something like that to be yep. an issue, he's the player you would think of. Yep. And you, we talked about Allen being uh, someone that people have talked about burying in the minors. Mm-hmm. Armia, I think, is at that point now where it might be worth it just to bury him in the minors. I know you're not going to get a, a, any real cap savings there, yeah, but it opens up a roster spot for guys like Emil Heineman, right, who showed amazing things when he finally came to North America at the end of last yeah. season. Yeah, I, I'm an Evans fan. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I'd like to see more. Like I like to see a little bit more. And it's and like if they start playing guys at the same, like if they if they play say Suzuki Doc, and you do you take Monahan put him in a center position where he's going to be best, he's going to produce his best. Well, that means he's going on the third line or the fourth line, and then you've got Dvorak, right? That bumps out. That bumps. Um, that bumps Evans out. Mm-hmm. Right. And we didn't even mention one player that I think is really going to be pushing hard because this is his his chance, his real, I guess, last chance, and that's Elias Anderson. Right. That's someone I I can see really pushing things at camp we talk about competition at camp if anyone has motivation to compete at camp this this september it's him yeah i'm even looking at yelona because he's not waiver eligible anymore exactly right even exactly. if he do, even if he puts up a performance and they put him down like he might find a job somewhere else so based on a strong performance yeah, and for anyone listening that's still listening at this point, waiver eligibility is going to be a massive factor in whatever decision this team makes because they don't want to be losing right. uh, any of these these players. These are these are assets that still have value and could be traded for decent value. You look at yes. Yelonen, a guy who's shown he can he can play in the NHL. That's worth you know a decent round pick. You know, like a second third round pick. What uh, what do you get if you lose them on waivers? Nothing. So you don't want to be losing guys like that. Yeah. Whereas Elias Anderson, you sign him on a one-year flyer. Uh, if he clears waivers, if he doesn't earn a spot in the NHL, you send him down to Laval. If he gets claimed on waivers, he's 
whatever. Yeah, no, he was. No, he was. No he real was never, loss. Yeah, he was never really part of the plan, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you you need to really pay attention to the players that the Canadians have either drafted and developed or just recently developed. Guys like Anderson, they're behind the eight ball already. They really have to step it up. So that's why when I when I mention him as someone to watch, it's that level of competition that he has to bring. It has to be two notches above everybody else. Right. Right. Is there any one player you think that they might have a chance uh, of competing and winning a spot? I'd say Yelonen more than likely. I think he, okay. I, th- I think, I think he's probably the closest to earning that spot, but um, it would probably take somebody else out of the lineup to, to do that, that you would expect to be there. And like, mm. I'm looking at Harvey Pennard, like I know what he did and I, I think he's a lock to make the team, but being waiver eligible again, like there's, a lot of questions when it comes to, when it comes to their, uh, the way that they're going to use that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're bang on there. Uh, Oh wait, no, I'm supposed to disagree. You're so (laughs) wrong. Why are you saying stuff like that? Yeah. I don't expect, I don't expect a lot of people are talking about like Owen Beck. Um, and, and you know what? Love Owen Beck, but I think the best place for him to be, unfortunately, play out his last year in the OHL. It didn't hurt right? Suzuki to play right? next year. Right. Dominate that league. And you never know. Like, um, I don't know how Peter bro is going to be as a team this year. Um, I'm not sure what He'll their strengths are. Traded. Right. I know. I don't know what their strengths are this year. I know. I know they yeah. had a good team. I know they had a good team with him on it last year, but I know a lot of the guys that are moved that have moved on um, from that team. So, I don't know what it's going to be like this year. Usually when you get a team that goes that deep, they're not the same team next year. So he could yep. be one of those guys that's moved at the deadline to a contender. Yeah, no, absolutely. He'll, he'll show up, he'll play his heart out and then end up getting traded. It, it that's, I think that's the best bet for him. It didn't yeah. hurt uh, Suzuki when he right. went back right. and they play a similar type of game. So yeah. why not? And why I know a lot of people were talking about Joshua Roy possibly making the team. I still think best best scenario. Same thing is for uh, for uh, for Mesher. Mesher didn't really light up the OHL last year. I know, yes, he was playing on a shit team, but yeah. again, I think the the best place for Mesher would be send him back to send him back to um, send him back to the OHL. Let him do his thing down there. Let him learn the game a little bit better. And same thing for uh, for Joshua Roy, although he'll be in Laval. Play him in a top six role and don't worry about having to bring him up and play him in a bottom six role in Montreal. Yeah. No, uh, I think patience is the is a virtue and it'll be a key in this rebuild. Uh, we're at the stage of the rebuild now where everyone wants to see uh, something happen. They want yeah. to see you know, the kids that were drafted to take that big step and become stars or whatever it is. But this is the point where you can either make or break a player. You don't want to rush them. Yeah. Look what they've done with players in the past when they've rushed them. Yeah. But it's also getting to the point where the guys that are drafted are going to have to start standing out. 
Yes. Because you look at the next you, you look at the next few years and like the 2024 draft, you get a first, second, two thirds, a fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and three sevens. Yes, some of those picks are going to move. However, you look at 2025, two firsts, two seconds, a third, two fourths, a fifth, six, and a seventh. So like they have, and, and for years, they have just been like stockpiling, stockpiling, stockpiling. And it's not necessarily they've been moving the picks to get anything other than other than new hook. It's been, we'll pick the player, we'll pick the player, we'll pick the players. So they've stocked the shelves and, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, some of the players that they've picked, those, those players have stuck around or they've done quite well. They've got some late round gems, but it's to the point now where some of these guys are going to have to really stand out and the organization itself is going to have to be like, okay, these are the guys we're moving forward with. These are the guys we're going to package to make the team better today. Because you start looking at, say, the 2020, going into the 2025 season with that draft, with two firsts and two seconds, and you've already got a team that's starting to get a little bit more established. Some of these young guys are taking on the bigger roles, et cetera. And you've got, like, going into that, uh, say, 25, 26 season, there's probably going to be guys that are going to be on their way out. A lot of guys on the last year of their contracts, like that's going to be a big year for the team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's, I think this is going to be a good training camp to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of really good young players to pay attention to. And then to follow through the season afterwards, because maybe two of these players that we've talked about tonight, will make the team. Yeah. There might be a third on outside chance of a third, but uh, two is a safe bet. Yeah. Who do you think? So, who do you, um, who do you think, who do you who think, do I uh, think what, who do you think is like their days in Montreal are pretty much done? Anybody over the age of 27, uh, except for Matheson, really? Yeah. Anybody else? You, their days are numbered. Let's put okay. it that way. Do you think a guy like Weidman is on the team? No, no, or I think he's think he uh, Laval. Laval are traded. I think they'll try to trade him. I don't I think know so if too. anyone's going to take him. I don't think anyone's going to really take him. So they'll put him on waivers, and you might get a team like the Sharks that pick him up for nothing. Right. Right. So, I think he'd be. Uh, I think he'd be that, a. Great, I think he'd be a great option for Laval if that's the way that it needs to be. Yeah. Because there's your. Yeah. Well, there's your top line. There's your top line. Uh, right-handed shot right there, power play guy. And it's a guy that's uh, a guy, a veteran guy that Mayo can be there with. Yeah. Right. So at the very least someone who can um, play a veteran's role, fill in yes. a second, second pairing, um, give a little bit of tips, pointers, but more than likely, I think he ends up being in a different city. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the smartest thing yeah. to do. So, so that, Pretty much covers everything we were going to talk about in this episode. Um, I know it's the first one in almost two weeks, and yeah, uh, we're going to try and be a little bit more um, regular. Yep. But uh, so uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for their patience for check uh, for you know holding out this long. Uh, I we've gotten some emails and some some messages of support, <laughs> knowing how busy we all are. So uh, I want to thank everybody who sent those in. Uh, Matt, do you have anything? last uh, last thoughts you want to share no just uh thanks to everyone for the uh 
for all the messages and everything. And like, we're sorry that uh, we can't get out the content that we, uh, that we want to get out all the time. Obviously our careers come first, um, you know, being in the military that, you know, our, our schedules are a little bit all over the place sometimes. Um, but uh, there's a lot of hockey coming soon. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. We're going to have the opportunity to do more shows. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. So um, thanks for choosing us as being one of your many um, uh, Canadians podcasts that you listen to. And again, thanks for so much for the support. I'm going to echo everything that just said. Uh, thank everybody for tuning in, listening, supporting us, <clears throat> making us part of your, uh, your rotation of podcasts and, most of all for the interaction that we share with everybody on social media. We really appreciate it. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening. And remember if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.